I work very strongly with cacao. <laughs> Beautiful teacher plant. And one of the, re I work with a lot of different plants for healing. I was on a lot of, um, before I went to Glastonbury, I was on a lot of pharmaceutical medication for narcolepsy. And I was told I could never have children. I could never drive. Um, and, and working with plant medicine, um, which I started that journey after I came back from Glastonbury. Um, I came all off it all overnight. I've never had to go back onto pharmaceutical medication. And so I, I discovered that for me, working with plant medicine has really helped me heal mind, body, spirit. And then it took me years till I found cacao because I was a bit like, oh, it's chocolate. What's chocolate going to do? And also I was very anorexic when I was a teenager. So I still had some healing to do with that. And then my first cacao ceremony that I went to, and I only ended up there because there was a sound healing, which is really why I was there. Oh my goodness. I was like, you can, it can be fun. Like healing can be fun and it can be joyful and full of love. And I was, and I take, you know, I used to take myself very seriously. And that's something that I have to balance out. It's all in my astrology. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is, this stuff's amazing. And I felt very cool that I had to start healing with it and helping other people with it. And so I spent years training with it and working with it myself before I started holding ceremonies for other people. You just heard the voice of Helen Miller, coach, healer, and ceremonial cacao facilitator. In this episode, you will learn all about the healing qualities of cacao, how to become more heart-centered, and why the spiritual path is so rewarding. If you are ready to shift from head to heart-centered living and learn more about the powerful benefits of ceremonial cacao, then stick around because you are in the right place. Welcome to the show. My name is Ali West, and since 2008, I have been working in the health and fitness industry. In the space of just under 10 years, I went from being a glorified treadmill cleaner to the owner of my own 9,000 square foot gym, Kinetic Fitness, here in Nottingham in the United Kingdom. Plus, helping thousands of people along the way, both offline and online, to improve their health and well-being. Since 2015, I've been on my own journey of self-discovery, learning how to improve, optimize, and master my mental, physical, and spiritual health on the deepest levels. Now I want to help you do the same by sharing my own wisdom and the wisdom of some of the brightest minds in health, fitness, nutrition, biohacking, and spirituality so you can become optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. If you're ready, then let the show begin. Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Whether you are brand new to the show or you are a returning listener, super grateful that you have taken time out of your precious day to join me for this episode. I have a fantastic guest lined up for you today. Somebody who has been on a spiritual journey for a 
number of years now and she is going to tell you all about the powerful benefits of ceremonial cacao and share her spiritual journey with you and also tell us more about heart-centered living. Before we get fully immersed in today's episode, I would just like to take this time to mention the sponsors of the show. I'd love for you to listen to this part as you will learn how you can get some incredible discounts from our sponsors to improve your own health and well-being. But if you do decide to skip over this part, then all the links to our sponsors and all the discount codes can be found in the description of this podcast episode. Our first sponsor is Pure Himalayan Shilajit. Shilajit is an ancient mineral from the Himalayas, which has been used in the East for its powerful benefits for thousands of years. Shilajit helps to increase your energy and mental performance, plus many other benefits. I've been using Shilajit for a while, and I've noticed improvements in my cognitive performance and energy levels. I'd love for you to benefit from this powerful ancient mineral, so I've partnered up with my good friends at purehimalayanshilajit.com, and they are offering every listener of the show a 15% discount off any order of Shilajit. Simply hit the link in the description of this podcast, place an order and bang in the code AliWest at checkout. That's AliWest, A-L-I-W-E-S-T, to bag your incredible discount. Our second sponsor is Mudo Health. Mudo are a DNA testing company and they make testing your DNA and getting your own genetic profile super easy. All you do is you order your testing kit from their site, it's mailed out to you, you take a simple saliva test, send it back to their lab, And within a couple of weeks, you will get a breakdown of your genetic health with over 90 plus reports on your DNA and how you can make improvements to your genetic health on the deepest levels. All laid out in an easy, user-friendly mobile application. Mudo has revolutionized my health, my client's health, and also my family's health. That's why I've partnered up with the guys at Mudo to help the listeners of the Kinetic Fitness Show improve their DNA health as well. They are offering all listeners of the show an amazing 20% off any DNA kit purchase. Simply hit the link in the description, add your kit to the basket and use the code ALDNA at checkout. That's ALDNA at checkout. A-L-D-N-A to get your incredible discount. My guest this week is Helen Miller aka Heart Healer Helen. Helen helps individuals and groups to find clarity, healing, or a breakthrough. She supports their transformation via coaching or deep diving into a personalized ceremony. Helen spent 12 years coaching internationally with eight years on the healing path. She combines spiritual tools, intuitive insight, practical experience, and methodologies to tailor sessions and support for expansion from the practical and the mystic. So what will you learn in today's episode and what are some of the key takeaways? Well, firstly, you will learn all about Helen's story and her spiritual awakening. You'll learn more about what ceremonial cacao is and its powerful benefits. You'll find out how you can use ceremonial cacao and what to expect at a cacao ceremony. You'll also learn some of the biggest breakthroughs Helen has seen from the people she has worked with and from her own use of cacao. You'll find out why it's important to get out of your head and become more heart-centered. You'll also learn why labels aren't helping. You'll find out more about tree energy and using trees to heal. 
Helen shares her top three tips to help you with your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, plus much, much more. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please share it with someone. Even better, take a screenshot of it, post it to your Instagram story, and tag myself and Helen in the post. My handle is at Ali West Coach, and Helen's is at Helen Heart Healer. Now it's time to bring in my amazing guest, Helen Miller. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm loving the sun being out. Makes me very happy. Oh, yeah. You can't beat the sun. Great. And how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, yeah. I uh, did a little bit of meditation this morning outside in nature, and I always love to do that. And then yesterday, it was a lot sunnier up here, and uh, I love it when you're meditating in the sun. I just feel like it's full power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I had my Akashic Records read um, a couple of years ago, and one of the messages was to do as much of my practice, so my spiritual practice in the sun as possible. So yeah. I use that as an excuse to get away from the laptop and run outside whenever I can. Well, all, the, uh, all of our ancestors that worshipped the sun and sat out in the sun and did stuff in the sun can't be wrong in my eyes. Yeah, exactly. And I pra- I'm a Buddhist, so it's a form of Buddhism I practice, and it's Buddhism of the sun, Nichiren Buddhism. Awesome. Well, there's many, many things that um, I think we could probably talk about, but I think a good starting point for myself and for the audience is to hear a little backstory. So who you are, where you've come from, what you do now, and we'll go from there. Sure. So um, I grew up in London. I grew up in a really non-spiritual religious like very much like you know just be a good person do your thing and that's it and like my mum didn't really believe in oxygen because she couldn't see it she was like really sort of down to earth and was very anti-religion really in how I grew up um there's a lot of mistrust and I had quite a lot of traumatic events happen in my childhood and then because they were unresolved and some of those were blocked out I then had a lot of traumatic events that happened as I went off the rails, uh, so unhappy when I was a teenager, and then carried on into my 20s, sort of getting through life, but being profoundly unhappy at my core and hating myself. And a lot of that all was unconsciously coming from these things that had happened when I was a kid and I didn't know had happened. And that led a lot more traumatic events to to keep springing in. So I won't go into all of them, but there's, you know, a lot of, you know, to have them all in, to have them all happen was quite extreme. And it was, it was, um, in my late twenties, I, I went to class, I met somebody on a dating app and they said, come to Glastonbury Festival. And I'd always wanted to go to Glastonbury Festival and I'd never sort of had the friendship group that would do that. And he also was this Buddhist who chanted. And I thought, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't really do anything. And he said, well, if you want to come to Glastonbury, you should chant to get a ticket. And I thought, well, I'll do it. And if it works, it's great because I'll go to Glastonbury because obviously it sells out in minutes. And um, if it doesn't work, then I've proved him right that it doesn't work. So it's win-win. And within five days, I had a ticket of doing this chant for five minutes in the shower in the morning. And um, I went to Glastonbury and 
I had magic mushrooms, which I hadn't had before. Wasn't, you know, really into that stuff. And I didn't know at the time that Glastonbury was the heart chakra of the earth. And I had an experience that I guess people might term as a spiritual awakening. Essentially, this time at Glastonbury Festival was a really major pivot point in my life. And this form of, I guess, spiritual awakening is one way of putting it, but really it was just a deep realisation to far more of the layers of complexity and beauty that are in the world and far more introspection and understanding of myself and how I was functioning and not functioning. And that led me to a sort of <laughs> like a Star Trek period where I felt like I was, um, I'd said, I'd essentially gone and pressed the button for beam me up Scotty, but I hadn't landed anywhere and I was pixelated and everything that I used to do didn't seem to fit. And I didn't know, I had sort of had my mind blown open and going, and all the realizations of like the false things I'd believed in and, um, you know, so much of that is very contemporary at the moment. We're seeing more and more layers of it being revealed. But there was a lot of that going on. All my, a lot of my friends just didn't know what to do with me. They're like, what do you mean? Just come to the pub and get drunk. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because it doesn't work. It's a waste of time. Um, it took me a long time till I actually stopped drinking completely. But that was... Um, you know it's a journey in itself but the the eating meat thing that stopped immediately and then various other things have fallen away and new things have come in their place and then they've changed and I guess my main focus in life has just become much more about I'm just insatiably hungry for the truth about everything and and it's like what's the point of having the truth or whatever the truth may be if you don't know what to do with it. And it's because I want to live a life that the more I go in this direction um, and the more I work on becoming a bigger, wholer version of myself, the happier I become, the more I'm able to help other people, the less I am somebody who needs help and which was me all the time and I never asked for it and being fiercely independent. And now I'm somebody who is able to help a lot more people and my, I guess my my quest or my vision with what I want to do with my life has become a lot bigger and broader in terms of, I always felt like I had quite big goals that I wanted to achieve, not financially really, but in terms of being able to help people. But now it feels much more fully embodied and grounded and understood. From so what I do now is I try to use this, I've had an extraordinary toolkit that I've collected over the last sort of eight years, eight, nine years. And I'm somebody who wants to try. I, do, I mean, have certain practice that I do every day, my Buddhist practice, but I, I, I'm always on the quest to try new things and see what works. Because also the rate of which you change when you start working in this way, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is that what worked, you know, this time last year, and especially with the rate of change on the planet, doesn't necessarily do the same thing for you further down the line. And so I have worked with in many different modalities, you know, sometimes, you know, off in retreat on my own, you know, fasting in the Amazon jungle. That's not something that's right for everybody. 
And so there are many different tools and techniques that I've got. Um, and because of the things that I went through, which I'm now grateful for, which I never thought I'd say, because they've given me the strength and the understanding to be able to help other people um, in all sorts of difficult situations. So I work with people to support them to find the healing within themselves, essentially. My website's called Heart Healer, but it's not... I don't see healing as something that I do to other people, but I create the space where people can feel safe to do it for themselves. And I give them a lot of tools that I feel are right for them intuitively. A lot of my work is really intuitive and it, it seems to be working. And I get some really, I've had some people, you know, have amazing transformations and lead much happier lives. So yeah, I run weekly groups with that now and I and I hold, you know, hold space, I run ceremonies and I hold retreats and I work and collaborate with other people on their retreats and I'm I'm the beginning stages of writing a book. Um yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where I've got to now. Amazing journey, an amazing story and I think there's many things that we could probably pick up off or I could pick up off off the back of your story. Um but the first thing I want to point out is don't you find once you've started a spiritual path or a spiritual journey, or you've in air quotes, awoken, or uh, you've had that awakening, you just, you can't go back after that. No. Well, I feel like at the moment, and I was musing on this this morning, it's like, do you remember when Magic Eye came out in like the nineties, like those pictures where, it's like it's like a, it's like it's just a piece of paper with some pixels on it. it. Looks like a QR code before they existed, and yet when you look at it in a certain way, it's like oh my god, it's a dragon or it's a castle or it's a. And once you see it, you can't not see it. But there was this months where everyone was going wow, and I'd get really angry because I couldn't see them, and I was like oh. But I feel like now it's like the there's once you can well. It's, it's much more clear now because it's far more people do it, experiencing it. But that, that this spiritual path was like once you see the world in a certain way, once you're able to tune in to the, that, that technology that is the magic eye thing that's created an image in a three-dimensional sort of image portal in a place of paper, once you're able to see that, you can't not see it. And then you know how to see it in all the other magic eye images. And it's like once you're on a spiritual and I'm not sure I really resonate always with the word spiritual because there's a lot of connotations and I don't always agree with them. But once you're on a, I guess, a, an awakening or a healing path, um, it's going to look different for everybody. You can't undo. You can't, like, I couldn't go back and sit in the pub and it work. It doesn't make me feel happy anymore. It feels quite false because it's coming from something to avoid feeling or thinking about what you need to deal with. And of course, there are moments, say, you know, to let your hair down or whatever. But it's as a as a way of life, like totally, like it's difficult to go backwards, I guess. And it's I don't mean that in judgment, but it's just in terms of authenticity to yourself. Mm. And out of all the kind of skills and practices, habits that you've picked up over the last eight, nine years, what are some of the what are some of the key ones and the main ones you use with yourself, but also with your clients as well? So personally, I chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo um, every day. 
as a way for me to tap into the greatest potential in myself and what I would term my Buddhahood, but essentially that meaning something that everybody has, which is the state of your greatest potential, or you might call it your higher self or your Christ consciousness. Um, And this energy and this part of you that is deeply connected and interwoven with everything in the universe so that you are working in harmony with um, the highest potential of life. So I do that um, as it is, and I talk about it to some people, but it's not right for everybody. And it's definitely not a sort of, you must do this thing. I work very strongly with cacao. What we're going to talk um, about. <laughs> which is a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful teacher plant. And one of the, re- I've worked with a lot of different plants for healing. I was on a lot of, um, before I went to Glastonbury, I was on a lot of pharmaceutical medication for narcolepsy. And I was told I could never have children. I could never drive. Um, and and working with plant medicine, um, which I started that journey after I came back from Glastonbury. Um, I came all off it all overnight. I've never had to go back onto pharmaceutical medication. And so I, I discovered that for me, working with plant medicine has really helped me heal mind, body, spirit. And then it took me years till I found cacao because I was a bit like, oh, it's chocolate. What's chocolate going to do? And also I was very anorexic when I was a teenager. So I still had some healing to do with that. And then my first cacao ceremony that I went to, and I only ended up there because there was a sound healing, which is really why I was there. Oh, my goodness. I was like, you can, it can be fun. Like healing can be fun. And it can be joyful and full of love. And I was, and I take, you know, I used to take myself very seriously. And that's something that I have to balance out. It's all in my astrology. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is, this stuff's amazing. And I felt very cool that I had to start healing with it and helping other people with it. And so I spent years training with it and working with it myself before I started holding ceremonies for other people. And it does have its deeper shadow side. A lot of my work is actually trying to really encourage people to work within the shadow, which is Jungian uh, term describes it as, Jung describes it as the parts of ourselves that we are that we hide, that we're ashamed of. And those can be your greatest gifts as well. Like sometimes we're embarrassed to say how good we are at things, but it's also the parts of us often that we developed because of wounding. And we can't heal the wounds until we get through that stuff, whether it be greed or anger or whatever it is. And so I work with cacao a lot for people because it's a really brilliant, it's brilliant for for your body health-wise and also it sends up to 40% more blood around your brain. So it allows you to think much more creatively and essentially it quietens the ego and allows you to listen to your heart. And all of my work is about moving from the head to the heart for living. My strap line is head to heart living because this is, I think, has has more wisdom than our ego mind does, which is not to deprive it, but not to live purely from there. Yeah, so cacao. um, I also work with crystals and I work very strongly with the tree energy and tools that I bring in, I work, I worked internationally as a coach in corporate business, um, which I found amazing when I could get, you know, one-to-one or group work, but often the company culture didn't really want the transformation that I was being paid to provide because it would often mean people would want to leave their jobs or 
or, you know, or not work in the way that the culture was, which often was quite toxic. And that's, and so I found often the work quite frustrating. And I, you know, it was a love-hate relationship with doing that. But now I use those skills and all that training in, you know, bringing people into their authentic heart-based living life. And for some people that means leaving their jobs or their partners or moving. And for some people it just means changing their internal thought for it. Well, just the most important thing is changing the our inter- internal workings, which then everything else follows. Because if you don't do that and you just leave the job, you're still taking you with you. But yeah, I mean, there's so journaling I use a lot. Um, and I work with energy. So yeah, bringing energies in, different energies. Amazing. Well, I want to get stuck into the, the cacao because I find this stuff fascinating. And I definitely want to learn more about it myself, but I know the audience will as well. So I think the first question is, what is ceremonial cacao? Because obviously, as you said, people would have heard of cacao as, as chocolate and would automatically think chocolate but obviously you do ceremonies and you work with it in this uh, ceremonial way so can you explain a bit more what ceremonial cacao actually is sure so it was used for thousands of years as a as a heat as a healing tool um in many different cultures and cacao is a tree if you don't know what it looks like it looks like a willy wonka tree like it's magic it does <laughs> it has these amazing pods that grow on it that are like the size of your forearm and they're really big and they are all different colors you get them pink and yellow and green and red and yellow and inside there are the cacao beans and for normal chocolate those are then roasted and broken down and then they're heated and then you have a lot of sugar and um dairy put in and all of that breaks down the neurotransmitters and the neuromodulators that are what allow us to, in some cases, have an, an altered, alter our consciousness and have a very profound experience. And you can microdose with it. It's really down to the dosage about what that experience is like. And what ceremonial grey cacao is that chocolate isn't, is it's it in its purest unfiltered, unprocessed form. And the reason that you sort of don't get it in shops and I think you always, I've always had to source mine online. I mean, I import it now. Um, is that it's, especially where I get it from, which is um, all, but you know, sustainably and organically grown. And it's grown with the understanding that it is a medicine. So it's about sort of the, um, it's about the way that the cacao is treated. Because if you think of it as an energy, if it's treated as something sacred and they spend three days um processing you know leaving it under leaves and it's it's fully activated um when you take it and it was used cacao actually grows two degrees either side of the equator around the planet so it's like mother earth has the chocolate belt on and because it grew in so many different countries there are so many different practices associated with it unlike some other plant medicines which are very strict in what you must use it for so that's why one of the reasons why I bring it in, because it can be amazing for you. If you've got a stressful Zoom meeting, you can have your cacao on the side like you wouldn't want to have a huge dose. But what it's going to do is it's like going to give you that focus that coffee does, but without any of the jitters or the crashing. It's really amazing. And you can sweeten it with dates and things like that. And if you're trying to get away from sugar um, addiction, you can replace it with that. And always it's coming back to the heart. Um, and opening up your heart so that you're operating through love and it's a very grounded experience it's 
well if you have a massive dose maybe not so but it's generally um it brings you into the body it's really it heals the tissues and the muscles it's amazing for, for women in menstrual time it's amazing for things like ADHD and Parkinson's um you know there's sort of you know you can have it while you're pregnant while you're breastfeeding it's got more antioxidants than anything on the planet it's got you know the science behind it I mean I, I go into this in detail on my website is physically it's very very good for you it detoxes as well and mentally it gives you clarity but it also allows you to see things in a way that you wouldn't because you've got all this fresh blood going around the brain and then the energy of it is the understanding that every plant is a is an energy some people would call it a spirit or consciousness and the spirit and the consciousness of cacao is all about love it's a very feminine energy and it's very much about opening the heart but within our heart space we also carry grief so it can bring up tears but what i find is that the as the energy moves through the system you can go from like crying to laughing in a split second and yet you're not attaching to the story of why why am i sad why am i because it is the release so it's similar to things like eft um, emotional trauma release therapy and things like that and breath work often you know you can be you can go into altered states just with the breath yeah so it's very much a present experience in the in the here and now yeah and it's amazing and it's brilliant for creatives as well and and I mean I think we're all creatives like we have to be creative to survive this life right so it brings, it allows you to really tap into that creativity. So that's why lots of people use it with shamanic dancing, um, with painting, with journaling, with creative blocks. You know, if I'm having a, a day and I feel stress creeping in in front of a computer, which is not my favorite place to be, um, I'll go and have a cow. When your emails have gone down. Yeah, exactly. When my emails have gone down. Um, so this is why I work with it. And actually, before... The, I think it was 1759 um, and they started putting cream into there used to be for the nobility rather than pubs they'd go to cacao houses and everyone would sit around having cacao feeling amazing and then when they started to put the cream into it that was what changed it into moving into hot chocolate and then it was from hot chocolate that you got chocolate bars but it's the dairy that stops the magic lasting essentially the science of the body with the how it allows the neuromodulators neurotransmitters um to continue throughout the body for three four hours rather than you know reaching for you know bar of good chocolate and that makes you feel good for a few minutes maybe yeah makes me think when you talk about all of it is is why do particularly the western world why do we always ruin <laughs> we ruin natural things i mean it's the same with many things i mean you could go a bit more extreme and say even like like cocaine like and, and nicotine and all of that has been completely taken and altered from what it is originally and we just mess it up and it's all about going back to the more of the the natural way of doing it and having it and consuming it and interacting with it isn't it yeah definitely like tobacco is a massive um teacher plant like that I've worked a lot with tobacco tobacco and it's so powerful like snorting tobacco juice and these aren't things that I just recommend anybody just does like it's it needs to be done with the you know professional in ceremony um but you know the the manip it's like 
you know, if you think of the world having positive and negative influences, the negative influences manipulating something that is so powerful and can cause so much good and healing into something filled with chemicals that makes you addicted and it's, you know, misusing the plant. For sure, for sure. Let's go into how we'd use it then, because obviously we've spoken a little bit a little bit about ceremonial work, but how would one start to use the cacao? Can they use it on their own without ceremony? Do they need to do ceremony? What's the best way to actually use the stuff? Um, great question. So you can, if you want to order it, obviously you can get it from different suppliers, but I have, you know, top quality, ethically, sustainably sourced um, from the Peruvian Andes. You can get that on my website, hearthealer.co.uk. Um, you can... I would recommend trying to come to a ceremony quite soon so that you can feel what it's like to have a big dose and surrender into that if that's right for you so that you know you can sense the the potential with it. But if that isn't right for you, and some people can get quite scared, or what's it going to be like? And I would say it's not that kind of experience, and it's different for everybody, some, and every different every time. Sometimes it's very subtle and sometimes it's very strong. Um, but you can definitely start microdosing with yourself at home and then build up to see how strong it feels for you. What I would say is with like most sort of spiritual practice is the more that you effort you put in, the more you get out. So if you just like make your cacao and then you're just like, oh, and I'm just going to like do all my online shopping and blah, 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 like you might notice something small. But if you want to, you know, take the time, turn off all the tech, light candles, sit down, journal, meditate, get into the body, you will be working with it on a different level and you will really feel the benefits and often for days afterwards as well. Um, in terms of like how to make it, big, the like just the main rules, no dairy, no sugar, and don't like boil it to death. Like you don't want to have it too hot. Um, I have like my favorite recipe, again, it's on my website, but as a pinch of salt, you need a spice in there, but you don't have to go too far. So a bit of cayenne pepper, that allows it to get into the blood stream faster. If that sounds a bit much for you, you can balance that out with cashew nuts or coconut oil. That makes it really thick and creamy. Um, and so if you're not using dairy, I don't use like alternative plant milks in it because I really want to work with the authenticity of it rather than making it too of a, much of a chocolate. Um, and then you can, you know, I always put cinnamon in it. I put nutmeg in it, but you could also put like rose water in it and things like that. And also if you work with like back flower remedies, once it's heated and made, you can put some drops of those essences in. Um, and my top tip is once you've heated it and simmered it for about five or six minutes is to put it in a blender. And that is what brings it really frothy and creamy and rich and delicious and yeah, and I always put a, a date in it for sweetness and I try and use organic ingredients. Sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so difficult to have this huge supply of it here and not have it all the time. But you can have it every day um, if you want to. I would just advise not making anything a crutch, um, becoming psychologically, it's not physically addictive, but not becoming psychologically attached that the cacao must get me through the day is my only guideline and to not have a huge huge ceremonial dose every day because it is detoxifying the body you don't want to deplete yourself of anything either yeah and it all goes back to the way that you use it like you said a few moments ago if you do it right and and engage in it 
in the right way and not get distracted and, and treat it with love and care, then you're mm. probably not going to want to go and get addicted to it or hammer it all the time because you're using it in the right right way in the right setting. Exactly, yeah. And I also really encourage people to, I mean, some people have a, a, a reaction to the word prayer, but set your intention. Like when you chop it up, because it comes in a big block, when you're chop, you I weigh the amount you want and then you chop it up. Um, I, I you know that's where I pray, and then when it's when it's simmering, I stand over it and I talk my prayer or my intention into it. And if I'm working with a client, like it will be to hold space for them, to be of service to them, you know, to bring that through. If I'm doing a tarot reading again, it's for the same reasons. Yeah, same with everything. Same with the food when you're cooking. I mean, when I'm cooking, I'm talking to the food and giving it energy and positive vibes and giving thanks for for the amazing food that I'm about to have. So I think that heartfelt and mindful practice of of how you treat any energy is is really, really important. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I was just going to say, it's just, especially with 2020 and where we are now, it's just, it's like cacao time it's like you know it's bringing us back into love it's strengthening our immune systems and it's opening us to create think more creatively about how do we move forward from here because the old ways no longer are relevant let's talk about a ceremony then because you touched on it briefly but let's say i'm ali i've never been to a ceremony before which i haven't and now after just the last few minutes of you speaking i'm definitely going to come to a ceremony (laughs) but um let's say i've never been um, I book on, I rock up. What happens? What should I expect? How, how, does it, how does it work? Sure. So I was running them for years in person um, before we went into the last year and invitation to stay in our houses. And um, when they're in person, each one is on a different theme. I was running every month and I often hold them on days of big significance with the planetary energy. So on the solstices, the equinoxes, um, on the sort of, you know, the lion's gate, the eighth of the eighth, all those things, or where we have big full moons. Um, and what, and also, I also tap into things that are in the collective consciousness. So I've run ceremonies on um, poverty consciousness before and healing your relationship with money and um, create exp- expressing your creativity or moving creative blocks. And so, and, you know, finding your power, lots of different things, whatever I feel is relevant. And so every ceremony will be different because I'll bring in different elements because of that. And sometimes they're women only and sometimes it's, you know, partners or or parents and daughters and things like that. And what to expect. So there is always a sharing circle. And this is the same when I run them online, which actually I will say many people have actually preferred because they then make the cacao themselves, which is something they would never have done. And they then have a much more intimate relationship with the plant. And because they're in their own space, especially for people who are shyer, um, they're able to have a much deeper process because they know that if emotion starts to really come up for them, they can just, you know, move away from the camera or they feel safe being in their own space, but still being seen and witnessed in that. So they both both work. And essentially, when you're working with energy, time and space doesn't matter, as you know, I'm sure. So what to expect? There's a sharing circle. I work with tarot and oracle cards. So often to rather than being sort of a pure reading, if people want when they're sharing, if messages come through, I'll draw cards for them or they draw cards. And that can bring in another level of, of sort of witnessing and connection and there's always this amazing synergy of people who are all meant to be there at the same time because what somebody says will resonate so deeply with somebody else. 
And then there's intention setting. It, you know, often I will bring some insights into what's going on with the energy or the or the planets. Um, I work with my guides, say my highest self. If there's messages there as well. Take people into some form of journaling, self inquiry practice, whilst the cacao works through the system because it takes about twenty minutes. I work with, you know, essences, smells, um, music, mantra. Sometimes there's body work. Um, I mean, I, when I be working with financial abundance, I asked everybody to bring a fifty pound note, and everybody then walked around the circle and paid everyone they met fifty pounds just for being them, and saying, uh, you know, here's fifty pounds. And so it might seem like a trite exercise, but energetically, thousands and thousands of pounds worth of money had circulated and moved and been given and received. And it's this understanding that we have to give in order to receive and breaking down those and the understanding of like holding money as energy rather than often we get into such fixed things with it. But like that exercise, of course, I wouldn't do with a different theme. So there's always different aspects to what I bring through. And then it always ends with a big, uh, deep channeled meditation. Amazing. Amazing. And what are some of the maybe the biggest breakthroughs and the biggest and best results that you've seen with individuals that have taken part in ceremonies? Well, I had an email come through on Saturday when I was in London, say from a from a woman who's been working with me for just under a year. And she, it was beautiful. It really made me, made, made, it still makes me very smile, very happy. Um, saying how she, because of the work that we've done together, and she's done some one-on-one ceremonies with me as well, because I also, if people have big things going on in their life, I will design a ceremony just for them, and they we will work together, just the two of us. And she said that she's now left a job that she'd wanted to leave for years, um, and it wasn't that it was a terrible job, but it wasn't fulfilling her, and she knew that there was something more, and it was because of the work we've done, she's now realised that she can trust in the universe and rely on herself and love herself enough to know that she's worth a happier place to be in um, on a daily basis, and this sort of self-realisation and coming into her power is the is you know is is the sort of the juice of it but that has now resulted in a very tangible effect of her being able to hand her notice in and then they kept on saying we'll give you a pay rise you can stay blah 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 and she's like no I like and she felt really proud that she was able to still keep her boundary and be like no I know this isn't right um I've had other responses um about people saying three sessions were the equivalent of three years of therapy that was from a psychotherapist so, um, yeah, I mean, people have big shifts and and for another woman, she just inherited a lot of money and found herself wanting to give it away to all her friends. But a lot of our work together has been about her valuing herself and understanding that it doesn't make you a bad person to be rich and it doesn't make you a bad person to do things for yourself and like balancing out those two wheels on the car you know happiness for you and happiness for other people um so she was able to she took herself on holiday and didn't you know resisted the urge to invite people to come down and you know stay in her airbnb and be like no no this is my time for me and things like that so it can be subtle or it can be big yeah 
What about yourself? What are some of the biggest breakthroughs for yourself? Oh, um, a lot of boundaries. I wasn't very good with boundaries. So a lot of being able to say no to things, um, a huge reduction in the hamster wheel mentality of not being able to stop. Like That's a big one though, isn't it? That's a, that's a huge one for so many people and probably so many people that are going to watch and listen to this uh, podcast. They're, they're on that that constant wheel, that hamster wheel, they're hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's just, it doesn't have to be like that. It calming down and slowing down and being more present and being more patient are some really powerful and positive gifts that you oh, can absolutely harness. and it, I think it, it, this actually goes so deep because it's the masculine and the feminine energies which are not to do with our gender but to do with the energy of yang and doing and like achieving and the yin energy which is about receptivity and flow and creativity and being a magnet and drawing things to you and because we've lived in a patriarchy for thousands of years really all that means is valuing one energy over the other. And that has led to a lot of destructive things for everybody, not just men or just women or whatever. But as we become much more in harmony with the planet, which is a feminine energy, I really feel we're gonna heal the planet and heal how we live with each other by understanding this balancing out in our brains of the, of the masculine and the feminine energies inside us. And, this, and it takes a lot of strength to feel safe not doing and trusting that things will come, that the wheels will still turn. I just want to interrupt, sorry, because this I can feel this here now at the moment, because this is something that I'm going through personally at the moment. I'm learning to slow down and go with the flow, a lot more go with the flow. And some people would think that maybe, oh, that's a bit, it's a bit like blasé or a bit lazy, but that's what we've been led to believe in, that you can't go with the flow. And I, I'm going a lot more with the flow now. So the words that you're saying, they're like, really, they're hitting me here because I'm doing this at the moment, doing my very best to to slow down, go with the flow, trust the process and and not be a, a million miles an hour and not put pressure on myself and not be hard on myself. So I just wanted to share that with you and the, the guys watching. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Ali. Yeah, it's like it's so it's such a deep pr program that we have, like that you, if you don't do anything, like I subconsciously believe if I didn't do anything, the world would end. And like this poverty consciousness, I had to constantly strive to, to, to make money to, and, and yet I never felt like I had enough money and I never had loads of money, but it's like, it was never, cause I could never trust this thing. And it's like, and so this, you know, and, you know, things start going wrong. I was talking about launching my website and the technology isn't there. And it's like, what's the most powerful thing I can do right now? Oh, well, I should start emailing these people and try and get this. What do I want to do right now? I want to go for a walk out in the sunshine and buy some organic vegetables and come back and have a nice meal. Okay, what's that going to do? That's going to shift my vibration from one of constriction and fear into something open and expansive. And will that fix the email tech issue maybe it might resolve itself but whatever happens the energy that I'm putting in to then resolve it is going to be so much freer and I'm going to be in a place to attract more of the energy I'm putting out why do people have the resistance why do people like back away from it and not go with with what they maybe what their heart is telling them or the gut's telling them is it do you think it is the programming what or is it obviously it's numerous things but what why do you think people go against the that that inner, inner I message I think that's a brilliant question 
And I heard somebody very profound say last week, I think in a, in a YouTube video, the biggest crisis on the planet is our addiction to our lack of self-love. And, and, and then there are the programs of, you know, feeling guilty for doing something for you or it's selfish, this idea that there is um, lack on the planet. So if I have a bath, you know, and it's not productive, like I meditate, you know, it's not a doing bath, I'm not there with my laptop, you know. If I have a bath, then somehow there's somebody else in the world's going to die because I've done that. Or do you know what I mean? Like there's, if I sit down and take time for me, then I'm not being a productive person in society. And this sense of self-sacrifice is is become very strong at the moment. Like I might be okay, but I must not do things to to protect other people because of, you know, things we're being told. Yeah, that that is a big thing. People thinking that putting themselves first is a is a is a selfish act. But I always say it's the opposite. It's one of the most selfless things you can do. And me and you are living proof of that. Me and you are two people that have looked after ourselves and worked on ourselves like you you a little bit more than me but me since 2015 and then you the last eight nine years mm. and we are flourishing for it yeah and it's also it's not a competition as well like it's not like you know it and it's a, it's not a linear path like I don't think like there are up you know it's like everything in nature is cyclical and I think often people who are on a, maybe some of your listeners, like, and it's the same with like, you know, even if it's just pure fitness, our bodies are cyclical, we're part of nature. So just because you can hammer something one day or work in a way, you know, one day and, or you feel like you've overcome an addiction, for example, and then six months later, a year later, six years later, it resurfaces. It doesn't mean that you are going backwards. It's like another layer of understanding about what is going on for you to get through or to get to so having rest days when you're you know training yeah and then comes in the that big big a word awareness then you then you can spot the the patterns and and the things that you need to work on when when you're more aware yeah absolutely yeah and and getting and for me like really getting out of like really black and white thinking about what is good and what is bad I used to be, I mean, I had many addictions, but one of them was an addiction to exercise. And I didn't see it as an addiction or bad because exercise is good, but it's not good if I'm working out, hating myself because I'm not going fast enough or hard enough, or I could do this yesterday and why can't I do it today? Or I haven't that many calories or whatever it is, I would be more healthy <laughs> to lie down on the floor and chill out for half an hour and be kind to myself and listen to some of that self-love affirmations than you know pounding the treadmill or something in that in that mindset yeah labeling stuff is uh is uh it doesn't help it doesn't help i don't think good bad positive negative yes they are they are adjective or adjectives or descriptive words but sometimes we label things and put too much emphasis on it rather than it just is definitely and and the um 
and also like the danger of doing that because it can feel quite scary I know when I started thinking about in this way it's like oh but if I think it's okay then I'll just do more of it and then that'll be terrible so I must keep it in the bad box because otherwise I'll eat donuts all the time or whatever it is I mean sometimes you know deeper stuff than that but it's it's this energy of self-flagellation makes stuff stick so for example, if you've got an a prob- if you you know if you feel like you drink a lot of alcohol more than you you want to be, if you have like one drink and you get into a mindset of well I wasn't going to drink anything and now I've had one and so I'm a terrible person, then you're very easily going to want to have more and give up on yourself and well I've had one now I might as well have the whole bottle or whatever it is, or I've got, I've been rejected from one job interview I might as well not go for the others. It's like the more we can just witness, and I mean, it's much easier said than done, but (laughs) the more we can just hold space for ourselves to just like, isn't it interesting that I said I wasn't going to get drunk and I've got drunk again? Oh, I wonder why I've done that rather than I'm such a terrible person because of this. Mm, Yeah. Many, many things there. There's, There's the programming, there's the judgment, there's many labels there's many things we went into there for sure <laughs> i want to just touch as well whilst i've whilst i've got you helen on the on the uh the nature stuff and the trees so obviously this is something that you help people with as well connecting with with trees and tree energy and communication with trees can you just explain a little bit more about about that about connecting with trees because this is a this is again I, I mean i don't believe in coincidences there are no coincidences but this is another thing um how things come into the now and um i uh i was reading a book it's it, it was talking about meditating and speaking to trees and finding a tree then i was meditating in my communal garden and i started speaking to a tree that was in the garden and then i came across you and now we're talking about it. So everything happens as it should. Um, and the, there was one weird thing as well that happened. It's not weird. Again, there's the program in me saying that it's weird. Um, there, there was something that happened. I noticed that the tree that I was communicating with via meditation was a silver birch tree. And then a few days later, it hit me. The house that I grew up grew up in, there was a huge silver birch tree in the garden. And I used to climb in it, play in it. So there we go. There's just a little story of, of a tree. <laughs> so I always say that the trees that are, that want to work with you, like there's no coincidence. That's no coincidence. You said they don't exist. But like my mum got cancer um, and the tree energy that she needed, because I was, you know, in a very deep relationship with, um, you know, a top druid at the time. And he was like, this is the energy that she needs. And I was like, you're kidding me like they didn't lived in a cul-de-sac that I grew up in and the grass a little green outside those were the only trees that were there and I was like he's like oh that's her her system has been deplete of the energy the frequency that those trees carry and that's what would have subconsciously drawn them to buy that house um so there's and different trees so in the same way with tobacco and with cacao and other plant teachers they are an energy and intelligence and a personality, each of them, and the same with all the trees. And I didn't know 
this like I didn't read any books about this I didn't sort of go on any courses about this but I had this very deep relationship with this person who had you know become a master of the 21 teacher trees and he didn't talk to me about it he was very secretive about it I used to ask lots of questions but he did introduce me to this tree that he'd always say I'm like where have you been you haven't been on your phone for three days whatever he's like I've been with the tree and this tree was this big oak tree in London and he it took him about nine months and eventually he introduced me to this tree and I didn't know anything about really like connecting to them properly but I sat with this tree and it was an it was like another consciousness altering experience I came out feeling like I'd had a deep tissue massage a holiday for three months um, and someone had just bought me a house like I felt great when I came away from this tree and occasionally we'd go there and then then my mum got diagnosed and then, you know, life happened and I was working in, in Europe and blah, blah, blah. And then my mum got diagnosed with cancer and told she had 10 weeks to live. And I was sort of like, well, I believe in energy, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to, this is going to shift. I've seen extraordinary things happen. And that wasn't where she was at. And, you know, it was a time for she passed and she did. She did die within that time frame. And then she, the funeral was in January 2020. Then my relationship ended, which was another thing I didn't see coming. And then we went into lockdown and I had my entire year's worth of work cancelled as a self-employed person. And I was like, okay, what have I got? And I thought, where do I want to be? It's like, I want to be with that tree. And I went to that tree for hours Um sometimes every day and it was a good sort of hour each journey each way cycle ride for me to get there and I developed this relationship with this tree and sometimes I'd be so full of grief and I would get there and I would you know I know I'd have to cycle 45 minutes and walk for 20 minutes and I'd get there and I'd throw my arms around this tree and I would howl and I'd weep sometimes I would skip up and be just so happy to be there and I started, um, you know, I'd, sometimes I'd take lunch and I'd, I'd give little offerings to the tree. And then the tree started to talk back to me. And the same way, this is where I'm sure a lot lose a lot of people, but in the same way when you're meditating or you might, you've had an extraordinary experience in your life where you just sort of heard a voice saying, don't go that way or don't do that or don't pick up the phone or you know, when you have this really strong intuition, you hear it as your own voice in your head because the energy that is communicating with you has to come through the lens of your consciousness. So you could say, well, Helen, it's just you talking to the tree. Like, it's just me making it up. But then extraordinary things started happening, not only like physically experiencing stuff, um, and I shake a lot when I'm releasing trauma and things like that, but at one point, I said goodbye to the tree and thanked it. And then I felt the tree call to me and said, no, come back and stand up and put your put your third eye against the tree. And I did. And as I did that, a big chunk of it came off on my third eye. And it was a gift for me to take it with it. And like, I was like, has this really happened? And I was like this all over the tree, like seeing other loose bits of bark. There was, there was none, like it sort of thing I read about in kids stories like and I now sleep with that under my under my pillow every night and I have now gone through 
far more in-depth sort of research and work and with with the oaks and the oak tree is my access point but through the oak I've then met the birch tree and the yew tree and I've also had very profound experiences with those three so I don't know all of them but those are the three I work with and I ran this workshop for the Psychedelic Society um, about how everybody can learn to talk to trees and the protocol and what to do and what not to do and and to not be um, assumptive in that the tree wants to work with you and things like that because they have personality. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, there's a few things I want to touch on off the back of that. The first one is when it comes to nature, whether it's a tree or whether it's the cacao or it's magic mushrooms or whatever the case may be. And when it comes to higher power guides, ancestors, what I want to point out is that they're never gonna, they're never gonna go away. They're never gonna make an excuse. They'll never disappear. They're always there if you need them. It's not like a, and this isn't to put human beings down at all, but there's sometimes you might need a friend or a shoulder to cry on and Oh, I'm too busy or I've, I've got a meeting or whatever. Whereas the nature and the guides, they're always there if you need them and they'll always listen and they won't judge. Um, that's one thing. And then the other thing you mentioned about talking to you through your voice. And I've had this before when I've said to people, oh, I've been speaking to so-and-so or this spirit guide or this energy. And they're like, no, that's just you. That's just a different part of your brain. And I say to them, well, they're using words that I don't even use. So it can't be me because I don't even use those words. And some of them I've never even heard yeah, of. So yeah, totally. I, and like, I, I get where you're coming from with that. This tree has a sense of humor that I don't have. Like, I would never make that joke. Like, what are you on? Um, yes. And I also feel that there is a big, having somebody who has spent a lot of time in other parts of the world working with the indigenous medicines of that those lands. And now we can't travel. Um, or many people might choose not to want to while certain regulations are in place, um, is that this really deep understanding that we are all wherever we are on the planet at this point in time because of where we're meant to be, and that all land has the ability to heal, and we have the ability to heal all land and waters. And, you know, I've just moved out of London having lived there my entire life, and I'm now on land that's unknown, but I feel that it's where I'm meant to be. And I moved here on intuition and, you know, that's a whole nother story, but that especially with the trees, like we don't, people might start, especially in the last year, maybe lots of people have started to use the word awaken in, in air brackets um, and might be thinking, oh, and Googling and like, oh, well, I've got to go to South America or I've got to go to Machu Picchu or I've got to go and do a pilgrimage or, um, you know, I did a pilgrimage in Cornwall. Like you can, it's the land we're on has the medicine we need and you know magic mushrooms are the the sacred medicine of this land and you know they're all in all the stained glass windows if you go and look and if you you know and the trees now you know access to trees at the moment is still free thank goodness a lot of the protests about stopping the destruction of some of the ancient woodland is you know at the moment that is something that is still there still accessible for us and once you form that connection in person, it's then an energy that you can work with at any point if you're initiated by it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, the tree, the tree in our in our garden. He it said, just come and meditate, come and meditate with me, and I'm here whenever you need me. So that's what I'm saying. It's always there. 
And the silver birch is the initiator tree. It is the tree of rebirth oh. and awakening. And it's the first tree in the cycle of trees. So it's the... There we go. When they want to, you know, in in back in the day when they would plant a man-made forest or a wood, they would always plant silver birches first as like the bringers in of the light. Wow. It's meant to be that. Yes, exactly. Okay. Next thing I want to ask you is because I want to give, I want to give the listeners and the audience, if they've lasted this far, some, uh, some, uh, actionable steps or things that they can put into practice almost immediately. And the way that I want to do this is maybe slightly different than I usually do it. And I'd like you to give the listeners three tips to help them with their mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. So one one for each if possible. So one tip that they can do straight straight away for their mental health, one straight away for their physical health, and one straight away for their spiritual health. What would they be? Okay. They all interrelate. So I would, um, for your physical health, I'm a big advocate of of organic um, as a as a as trying to be as organic as possible, especially at the moment in terms of what you consume. Um, and I also say because that you know people might find that difficult. Um, salt baths in the evening, um, working with Epsom salts that really drag that 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 tent the um you know especially the emfs uh, get ramping up to really take that balance out the energies in your body salt baths um and listening to your body um something mental um turning off the news and especially mainstream news um and journaling your own thoughts um game-changing uh game changing because you know even if it's like it's angry like just get it on the paper and witness where you're at and if you want to manifest like writing stuff out dreaming the dream putting it on paper um spells are we spell spelling is spells we're creating spells so it's very powerful um physical mental and spiritual well i'd say chanting nam yohorenge kyo is is my is my sort of backbone through life and if I run a weekly group on Wednesdays, um, so if anybody wants to drop in, you can find out more about, you know, experience what it is that I bring through. Um, and that's optional cacao. You don't have to join with cacao. Um, but in terms of your own practice, what is spirituality? In my definition, it is the awareness of what is unseen in the world and the universe. And so being open to magic and being curious and looking for synchronicities and looking for messages and listening um, and asking for signs. You know, if you're stuck right now, if you're suffering, like ask for signs, ask for help and then expect it to come because it will, it might not be how you think it might, (laughs) you know, Rolls Royce in a ribbon outside your house or whatever, but like things will move when we ask. Yeah. And I, I, I want to tag on to that as well, that just, just believing in, in there's in more then there's more than just what you see here your five senses there's more than that yeah and in buddhism the five senses are, are called the five consciousnesses and there's actually nine consciousnesses but i did a course on this i, I have held one because if you think of your sense as a consciousness then you can expand it and you can heighten it and you can shift things through it um so 
And that's also a really helpful tip if you're in overwhelm or anxiety, which is so help, you know, you know, it's it's not a sign of weakness. We are going through this big ascension process physically at the moment. So there's a lot of anxiety uh, coming through, which is actually things releasing. But it's to it's when you feel that overwhelm, like to come back into the body and the senses and what can you see, what can you feel, what can you taste, like bringing your consciousness back inside your your physical here and now. Mm. Great tips. Love them. Great. I'm going to ask you one final question before we wrap up, which is maybe a bold, broad unanswerable question but i'm going to ask it anyway and if you can't answer it, it's absolutely fine but where 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 do you see humanity mankind the planet where do you see things going over the next few years where do you feel where do you feel and hear things going i think we are going through the most extraordinary rebirthing of humans understanding what they're capable of as every single individual being deeply aware of their own power to co-create existence and this is a scary breaking down of everything that we've known as how to be and do and exist and I think the process of getting to where we're going to get to which I think will be tangibly within the next five years and extraordinary in the next 15 um, is going to be deeply challenging. But I believe that if we're on the planet right now, we're here because we chose to be for this time. And I think it's going to involve a lot of loss and a lot of letting go. And I speak, you know, recently lost my mom and, you know, other people, but, you know, death is part of life. And, the life that we will have at the other side of this deep transformation, like the the very crux of it that we're moving into now will be the most beautiful, 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 beautiful way of living on the other side of it. Amazing. Beautifully answered. Where can the listeners go to find out more about you, Helen? Uh, so I am Helen Miller with an AR. You can get me, I have a YouTube channel. I go live every Tuesday um, and you can follow me there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Telegram uh, as Heart Healer. Um, it's either Helen Heart Healer or Heart Healer, depending on what's available. And you can get all of that on my website, which is hearthealer.co.uk amazing we always end my podcast in the same way and that's with a favorite quote and i know you've got one for me because you sent it to me so could you um leave myself and the audience with a favorite quote to end the show please absolutely so this is i've got a lot of quotes i love but this is by daisaku ikeda who's an amazing peace activist and he says a great human revolution in just a single individual will help achieve a change in the destiny of a nation and further can even enable a change in the destiny of all humankind. Love it. Thank you so much for your time, Helen. I really appreciate it. And I've I've enjoyed every second of that and love speaking to you today. So I wish you all the success for the future. Likewise, Ali. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, 
leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love.